2022 turns 41 days old on this Thursday, which according to a few biased sources is also Plimsoll Day, World Pulses Day, Cream Cheese Brownie Day, and all the news that's fit to print day. This being a journalistic enterprise, I admit I could not find a second source for the latter. But this is Charlottesville Community Engagement, which tries to get as much information into every installment, though I'm no longer sure if this is print, digital, audio, or something new. Regardless, I'm Sean Tubbs, the producer of this program, no matter what form it takes. On today's program, Albemarle County is seeking input on potential new maps for new magisterial boundaries, but will not consider adding a seventh supervisor at this time. Charlottesville City Council adopts the Rivanna River Plan and is willing to lower speed limits on 5th Street Extended. A look at legislation that has not passed the Virginia General Assembly this year, including Governor Yunkin's nomination for Secretary of Natural and Historic Resources. And inflation was up again in January. In the first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Natural Resources Committee of the League of Women Voters of the Charlottesville area wants you to know about a webinar coming up on Tuesday, February 15th at noon. They'll talk about renewable sources of electrical power, challenges, and promises. How can we develop renewable sources without endangering our ecological systems? The seminar will feature Dan Holmes from the Piedmont Environmental Council and Jeff Hammett from Apex Clean Energy. They'll address some of the complexities in switching utility-scale electric power from fossil fuels to renewable energy sources. Register for the Zoom and get ready to learn on February 15th. What went up continues to come down. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports a percent positivity of COVID cases of 14.3%. Last Thursday, that figure was at 23.2%. The seven-day average for new cases is at 4,697, down from 7,237 a week ago. The number of COVID patients in hospital today is 1,990, down from 2,578 a week ago. That last number, according to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 321 new cases today, and the percent positivity is at 17.6%. Do note that's higher than the statewide average. The cost of goods and services continues to rise in the United States, as reported by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Consumer Price Index increased 0.6% from December to January, and 7.5% between January 2021 and last month. That latter figure is the highest 12-month increase since February of 1982. Over the course of the last year, the cost of food, shelter, and energy have all risen. In the past year, the cost of food has increased 7.5%. The energy index increased 27% since January of 21, with gas prices 40% higher, natural gas 23.9% up, and electricity 10.7% up. Shelter was up 4.4%. Two categories that did increase this month were lodging away from home, which was down 3.9%, and wireless telephone service, which was down 0.1%. 
The Charlottesville City Council has officially adopted a plan to guide environmental protections along the urbanized portion of the Rivanna River. The Urban Rivanna Corridor Plan is now a referenced part of the city's 2021 comprehensive plan. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. It's past time, but I'm glad we're getting to it now finally to begin to recognize the fact that the Rivanna River is uh, is an asset to Charlottesville. It is not merely a barrier. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors reviewed the plan earlier this month. The plan has been created by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. In addition to a series of recommendations, the plan also suggests ways the community can highlight the role the river can play, with examples from Richmond, Fredericksburg, and Lynchburg. Council also took action on a step to try to reduce fatal crashes on 5th Street Extended. A petition was submitted to the city in late 2020, asking for something to be done to slow down traffic on the roadway, which has the character of a divided highway. Here's city traffic engineer Brennan Duncan. We have been working on this and kind of the first stage. So, um, you know, having looked at this for more than a year now, um, reviewing the data, um, looking at all the crash history and stuff, we, we are proposing that um, we would you know, reduce the speed limit from 45 to 40 miles an hour. The item passed on first reading and will now be on the consent agenda for Council's next meeting. The long-term strategy is to change the character of the roadway to make it less easy to speed. Albemarle County is seeking input on how the lines for the county's magisterial districts should be redrawn following the U.S. Census. Jake Washburn is Albemarle's registrar. The state uh, completed the redistricting of the state uh, and congressional district lines uh, December the 29th, I think. Washburn, the Electoral Board, and the county's GIS office have produced three potential maps, and a public comment period is underway through March 4th, with a questionnaire on the county's website. Supervisors adopted an expedited schedule on February 2nd. The sooner we could get the process going and complete, the better, because we may have a June primary election. And if we do, uh, we'll have to start uh, voting early uh, for that on May the 6th. Voters will need to know by then where they will be voting. The board will have a public hearing on March 2nd with an adoption slated for March 23rd, 2022. That will give enough time, hopefully, for the deadline to be met to have the new maps established in time. The next time a House of Delegates race is run, Albemarle will only have two districts in its boundaries, as opposed to having four districts currently. There's a federal lawsuit at the U.S. Fourth Circuit of Appeals seeking to force an election this year, and oral arguments will be heard on March 8th. One quirk in Virginia's new congressional maps is that not all of Albemarle is within the 5th District. 99% of the county is in the 5th U.S. Congressional District. For some reason, uh, they decided that the tiny sliver up in the northwestern part of the county, which has, I believe, a total of 110 residents and probably 50 or 60 registered voters, is in the 7th Congressional District. Washburn said there is likely no way to remedy that situation, and the county will need a waiver to allow for a magisterial district to be in two congressional precincts. All three of the maps continue the practice of Albemarle having six magisterial districts. Here's County Attorney Greg Kampner. 
Pomeroy County operates under the county executive form of government, and it, it is authorized to have a board composed of between three and nine supervisors. Increasing the size of the board was previously raised by the League of Women Voters in 1991 and by a supervisor who was the former president of the League of Women Voters in 2001. In neither 1991, 2001, nor 2011 did the board express a desire to increase its membership. Kampner said if the board wanted to increase its membership, they could add a 7th magisterial district or an at-large supervisor, who would also be the chair. Voters would have to approve the latter change in a referendum, but the supervisors could proceed with a 7th during redistricting or some other time. Staff recommended doing it at this time due to the need to complete the process in time for the election. State law allows the number of districts to be changed at any time, not only as part of the redistricting process. Supervisor Ned Galloway said he is aware that many political groups are interested in the idea, but he said he has not heard a groundswell of support. But from a constituent standpoint, um, this has not been one that has been raised a lot in my conversations with folks. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley did not appear to have much interest in a seventh seat because she agreed community members in Albemarle have not seemed interested in the topic. Uh, frankly, that's come from uh, mainly uh, developers and uh, because their, the rationale was it's easier to get four votes out of seven than four votes out of six. Supervisor Ann Malik, who was first elected in 2000, said she supports the continuation of six elected officials. Over the years, I have found the 3-3 to be a really good thing, especially when I was in a minority position, because if a project was good enough to get a fourth vote, even when there was a split board, that was a good threshold to have. A reminder that that public hearing will be held on March 2nd. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, this Friday, an art auction will be held at the Fry Spring Beach Club to help raise funds for a sustainable medical clinic in rural Peru. The Sisters Project Peru was created to increase access to health care in order to improve quality of life and empower women in Wakawasi, a rural village in the Sacred Valley of Peru. The art auction will be held from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. with light refreshment and live music. COVID protocol is in effect and masks are required. Learn more at sistersprojectperu.com. Registration in advance is required and there's a link in the newsletter. With so many bills, it's hard to keep a handle on all that's happening at the General Assembly, but it's worth a shot one segment at a time. As of this morning at 7 a.m., there were 2,486 total bills introduced, and 301 have definitely failed. Here are some of the pieces that have not made it out of the House of Delegates. A bill that would have classified farmers' markets and roadside farm markets as agribusiness was tabled yesterday in the House Agricultural, Chesapeake, and Natural Resources Committee. A bill that would have required an inventory of all stormwater systems in Virginia was stricken from the docket yesterday in that same committee. 
a bill to create a commission on social media to evaluate the impacts of the social media platforms was tabled in the House Rules Committee on February 3rd on a 13 to 5 vote. A bill to require all school boards in Virginia to be elected was stricken from the House Education Committee docket on February 7th, and a bill to exempt food charities from any liability related to distributing items beyond their best-buy date was stricken from the House Agriculture Committee yesterday. And here are some pieces that did not make it out of the Senate. A bill to remove a requirement that all school boards adopt policies for the treatment of transgendered students in public school failed to make it out of the Senate Education and Health Committee on an 8-5 to five vote. A bill to develop a statewide housing choice voucher program was stricken in the Senate General Laws and Technology Committee. A bill to allow localities to adopt energy efficiency standards for new buildings failed to make it out of the Senate Local Government Committee on an 8-6 to six vote. And a bill to prohibit schools from teaching inherently divisive concepts failed to clear the Senate Education and Health Committee on February 3rd on a 9-4 to vote. Yesterday, the Senate adopted Governor Glenn Youngkin's list of cabinet's appointments, but one name was held off of the list. On Tuesday, the full Senate agreed to an amendment from the Privileges and Elections Committee that stripped Wheeler from the official resolution confirming the cabinet. Here's the Senate clerk. Senate Joint Resolution 84, confirming appointments by the governor of certain persons, persons communicated to the General Assembly. The question is, shall the committee amendment be adopted? That was Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears, the president of the Senate. Several Republican members objected and urged defeat of the amendment, such as Senator Richard Stewart, who spoke of Wheeler's interview before the Senate Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee. And I've never seen a grilling with more difficult questions of any candidate for any position in this General Assembly. And after I spoke with folks who were on that committee and listened to that interview and asked those questions, every member that I spoke with said he had absolutely knocked the ball out of the park. Stewart defended Wheeler's time as administrator of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency under President Donald Trump. I understand that some of these environmental groups out there don't like him because of who he worked for. And that's just a real shame. But Senator Chap Peterson presided over Wheeler's interview and said he was impressed with the nominee's credentials, but he also read from Article 11th of the Virginia Constitution. It shall be the policy of the Commonwealth to conserve, develop, and utilize its natural resources, its public lands, and its historical sites and buildings. That is the role of the Secretary of Natural Resources. It's not commerce. It's not thinking of ways to get around environmental rules. It's actually protecting our lands and waters. Peterson said a majority on the privileges and committees felt Peterson would not fit the bill. Senator Adam Eben cited a letter from previous administrators at the EPA who expressed concern about Wheeler's tenure at that federal agency. If we're to confirm Mr. Wheeler, though, I'm confident he'll use the intelligence and subject matter expertise to do exactly what he did at the federal level, systematically deconstruct regulations that protect our environment. The amendment was agreed to on a 21-19 to 19 vote, and SJ-84 passed the Senate yesterday on a 38-0 to 0 vote. According to the Virginia Mercury, Wheeler can serve in the position on an interim basis until the end of the General Assembly session. More General Assembly information tomorrow.
But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to the people who read this. But of course, if they're just reading it, they can't hear this. But I thank them anyway, and if you see them, please thank them too. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I will be back tomorrow with another installment. I took a day off yesterday and got a lot of stuff behind the scenes slightly rearranged, um, which is a good thing because the whole point is to become as efficient as possible as I produce this program. If you would like to help on this campaign, there's many ways you can do that. You can go look at infoseville.com and you will be able to see on the support the info tab ways that you can contribute. Uh, One of those ways, of course, is a subscription through Ting. The company Ting will match your very first contribution through that service. And that's another way to help support this particular brand of community journalism. I'm Sean Tubbs. Time to get writing the next one and producing this one. In the meantime, stay safe out there. Stay warm. Stay locked down to the ground. It looks like it's windy outside. And, uh, you know, stay uh, stay by the river. Look at it. See if it's pretty today. Probably is. Probably gorgeous. Thanks a lot for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.